So he starts, he's on the walkie telling the operator, keep pulling, keep pulling, asking him how much weight he has, trying to separate these two pieces. And he's telling him, no, it's going to be 30,000 pounds, 20,000 pounds. Whatever. So he's got, I think the operator said he has like 25,000 pounds on it. And um, he's lifting, 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 lifting. And all of a sudden, I mean, the, the, the top section only weighed like 8,000 pounds. And once that mastic let go, it shot up in the air like a yo-yo. And just, wow. it just took off. And we're it, the crane was bouncing off its outriggers, um, you know, from side to side. They, it, was, it was a disaster. At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three-in-one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. This podcast is sponsored by the Master Group guys. They're blowing up across Canada. They're trying to make a presence in Western Canada. So if you guys see them popping up out that way, go in, check them out, and check out master.ca for more information. This week's Armstrong pump tip. So this must be sort of built out of frustration, out of, out of uh, I would say, built out of necessity due to frustration. Because they're telling us to keep nameplates on equipment. Now, when I say out of frustration, because I would imagine people were bringing in equipment, pumps, whatever, to their supply house, they were missing nameplates and nobody knew how to match or get parts. Back in the day, I used to see techs do this all the time before cell phones. They'd take their their big shank of a screwdriver, pop the nameplate off, put it in their pocket and go to the supplier. But if they didn't if they couldn't get the part or it wasn't approved or something like that now the piece of equipment is missing a nameplate so use your phone take a picture write it down leave the nameplate where it is okay um, a lot of these nameplates now they're they're stickers you can barely peel them off but back in the day a lot of them were like riveted on or spot welded on and you could actually get a screwdriver underneath and pop them off so this, this is probably, I would imagine, what they're referring to is the ones that are removable. Leave them on there, guys, because you're just going to make it easier for the next guy or yourself if you go back and you lose that thing that you popped off in the first place. Hey, what's up, guys? So I'm on the roof today. Okay, so I'm not in the, the, the dungeon, the HVAC basement recording this. I got no guests, but I'm going to drop a little bit of knowledge on you from my experience on working with air conditioning units in low ambient conditions. Okay, so why would we run an air conditioner in a low ambient condition? Well, there are server room units that run mechanical DX cooling in the winter, chillers that run that way. There are condensing units where their air handlers may not have economy cooling tied in. There's all sort of different applications where this could happen. So we need to make sure if we're going to run these units in the winter time, we run them properly and you might need to add some controls. You might need to add some other stuff that I'm going to get into in a minute. Anyway, guys, this is the HVAC Know It All podcast. I'm your host, Gary McCready. Welcome to the HVAC Know It All podcast. Recorded from a basement somewhere in Toronto, Canada. Your host and HVAC tech, 
Gary McCready will take you on a deep dive into the industry discussing all things HVAC. From storytelling to technical discussion. Enjoy the show. All right, so why would we outfit a standard unit, air conditioning unit with the low ambient controls? Well, we have to remember as the ambient temperature drops, so does the refrigerant pressure. So let's take a standard system running AC in the middle of the summer. Everything's good. Fans go on full tilt. Can answer fans go on full tilt. Now, what happens if we start to drop that ambient temperature around it? As that ambient temperature drops past a certain point, like if it's really cold at night or or the winter weather starts to move in and we still have that thing running in mechanical cooling, that fan is still running full bore. It's drawing colder air across the condenser coil, causing that, that pressure to drop down. It's going to cause the subcooling to go way up because we are... We are basically overcooling the refrigerant and the condenser. We're dropping that pressure. The subcooling is going up because the air is so cold. Now, because the subcooling goes up, we are going to have a colder evaporator, potentially no superheat in that evaporator because the amount of subcooling that we have in the liquid line, right? Once we we flash into that evaporator, we might not have um, enough load to boil off all the liquid in that evaporator. So. We could potentially slug the compressor with liquid, okay, because we have no superheat. But the other thing that's going to happen is we're going to have a really low suction pressure. A really low suction pressure is going to result in freezing at some point, especially if we're running in real cold, low ambience outdoors, like anything uh, below, I would say, maybe like 55 or 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Once we stop, start dropping below that, that's when we see the real issues. So... We put low ambient controls on a system so we can keep our our head pressure up or our liquid line pressure up and temperature up within that condenser coil. And once you do that and maintain that, you will run a system like it's running normally in the middle of the summer to put it in sort of um, layman's terms, right? So that is the reason why we do it because machines need to run through the winter and we need to keep that head pressure up in order for that machine to run properly effectively and without freezing up the evap coil. So let's get into some different methods and some different ways I've done it in the past. All right, so first things first, you're gonna want to have a working crankcase heater on that compressor. Now, what does a crankcase heater do? Well, it's either inserted into the compressor or it's wrapped around the bottom of the compressor. It keeps the oil warm, all right? What that does is it boils any liquid refrigerant out of the oil so it's not in the compressor during startup. So Refrigerant likes cold places. For instance, if you have a setup where it's a split system and you have a portion of the system inside and a portion of the system outside, for example, it's colder outside. So on the off cycle when the system shuts down, the refrigerant is going to want to migrate to the colder spot. That is where the condensing unit is. That is where the compressor is. And if there's there's no crankcase heater on there, that liquid refrigerant can sit in that oil And once that compressor starts up, it can cause some damage in that compressor. So you want a working crankcase heater on that compressor in low ambient conditions. That is first and foremost. Here's a consideration that you're going to have to make if you're going to run machinery in low ambient conditions. Now, this is not needed in every single case. 
right? But wind baffles are a huge consideration, especially if the machine is in a high wind area. Because think about it. It doesn't matter how many controls you put on the machine. If you have a high wind area and that wind, that cold wind is moving through that coil, it's going to affect that coil temperature and we can't control how fast that wind is moving through. All we can do is block it. That's all we can do. Now, how do we do that? We make up some wind baffles. Some units, some uh, mini splits, VR, VRV systems, they'll actually come shipped with factory wind baffles. Sometimes you have to make your own up if you're customizing uh, an application. So the way I've had them sized in the past is my wind baffles run from top to bottom of the coil and span the width of the coil. And then we'll have a one inch flange, right? And then we zip that wind baffle into the machine. So it actually is fastened to the machinery protecting the coil. Now depth away from the coil, I like to go about six inches. If that depth is about six inches in my experience, you don't need to take the wind baffles off in the summertime. Okay, because in the summer, obviously, we need we need some more ventilation around those coils, especially if they get dirty and any obstructions to airflow might cause a high uh, pressure event. But in my experience, I find if I make those the depth about six inches, we do not have to take them off in the summertime. So that is a major consideration when you're running machines in low ambient is if you're in a windy area, you're probably going to have to put on wind baffles. So one of the ways we can maintain our coil temp, head pressure, however you want to call it, is to cycle the condenser fan on and off. Now this method has been used for a long time. It's been used for years actually in certain applications, but it can cause the pressures in the system to severely fluctuate and, and do so very fast and they're not really stable. All right, so for instance, you can go get a fan cycle control and set it up to the pressures you want it to maintain, right? So basically you build pressure, the fan comes on, full bore, it brings the pressure down, it hits the cutout set point of the fan cycle control, the fan shuts off. When the fan shuts off, it builds pressure again until the fan comes back on. It just kind of repeats this cycle. Now every refrigerant is different, so every pressure setup would be different. But in air conditioning, our saturated conditions are usually the same. They're pretty bang on, to be honest with you. So if you, if you want to do it this way, I would suggest you pick up a adjustable fan cycle control, not one of those screw-on types, like the encapsulated ones that have the set um, pressure cut-in, cut-out on them. You can use them, but I'd suggest if, if you have the room, you buy your own adjustable control. That way you can set it up to how you want. Now, I have sort of a rule of thumb that I like to use, and I don't like to go anywhere above, I would say 130 degrees of saturation. So saturated condensing temperature of 130, whatever refrigerant you're using, whatever corresponds to that, that temperature, I wouldn't want to go above that. Okay. On the other end of the scale, I wouldn't really want to go anywhere below 80 or 85 degrees of saturation. So whatever refrigerant you're using, again, look at the pressure that corresponds to 80, 85 ish around there and I wouldn't want to go below that. So if you're setting up a fan cycle control as far as pressure, I mean, those would be my maximum and minimum thresholds. But there are better ways to do this. This has worked. 
has worked actually really well in the past in, in lots of different applications. We just took a bunch of five-ton condensing units off a roof in the summer, and prior to that, they were using uh, fan cycle controls on them to maintain head. All right, they also had crankcase heaters and wind baffles, and they did a good job to maintain head pressure, which kept the machines running somewhat normally during the winter. But there's other ways we can do this that is a little bit more stable, and I'll get into those right now. Okay, so quick break, guys. Viper Pan and Drain Treatment is a product where you coat the bottom of the evaporator pan and the bottom two rows of the evaporator coil. So you start with a fresh, clean pan. If it's dirty, clean it first. Coat the entire bottom, all right? And then what it does is, is it lasts for up to three months to break down any mildew and debris and all that kind of stuff. And it creates a slippery surface for any of that that may have collected to flow down the drain. All right, now putting it on the bottom rows of the evap is gonna help as the water drips off the evaporator, it's already gonna have some of that chemical in it, right? That's gonna help break down that stuff. It's a very cool product. I'm using it in some condensate pumps at the moment and I'm finding it works really, really well for that application. Um, Danfoss Distillery on their YouTube channel, they've got basically some uh, a video of how to weld some CO2 valves. I think it's a steel one and a bimetal one. It's some good education because if you've ever tried to, to braise up a valve that has stainless steel or, or a dissimilar metal, sometimes it's tough. So education on how to do this, I think is really important. So I'm going to leave that video link in the podcast notes for you guys. The other thing you guys need to be aware of is Supco's Trade Fox brand and how they're helping technicians bring their ideas to market. Tool ideas. If you've invented a tool or you have a prototype ready to go or you have an idea in your head even, but you have no way to go through the steps or the motions to bring an idea to market, reach out to SUPCO, all right? And what I'm saying to people is, listen, you have to protect your idea, sign or get get a non, um, an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, and have them sign it and they'll have you sign one probably too and then you guys are protected nobody can steal your tool idea so on and so forth but check out supco um, trade fox the email address to email this this to if you have an idea is ideas at supco tradefox.com cooler products i had a message um the other day from a guy i know him well online i've seen his work and he's very good quality technician he was trying out ac smart seal on a mini split I tried out people are dropping dropping these comments never use sealant on a mini split blind comments no education behind it we have to stop as an industry stop making blind uneducated comments where we haven't even tested a product and we're just throwing out regurgitated um, opinions of other people that you've heard them regurgitate from somewhere else If you guys want to know if a product works, the only way you're going to know is to test it yourself. That's what I did with AC Smart Seal, and I know it works because I've tested it myself for three years. Anyway, not ranting. I'm just saying if you want to know a product works, don't listen to somebody else that's never heard of it or tested it or seen it or even held it in their hand or, or read a bulletin on it. You take that product and you use it and you find out for yourself. Anyway, guys, let's get back to low ambient controls and low ambient discussions. 
Now, another type is fan speed, where the fan changes its speed. Okay, it's, it's a variable speed um, setup. So we're not going on and off, on and off. We are maintaining the speed of the fan to maintain a coil temperature or, or specific pressure. Now there's controls that do both. Uh, so a P66, for instance, we can mount that to um, the discharge line, liquid line. It sees the pressure and it will maintain what we set it up for. Okay, so if we want it to maintain 300 PSI, we can set it up to maintain 300 PSI um, condensing pressure, which corresponds to your saturated condensing temperature. You, you want to set it up to that temperature, not really the, the pressure. So when I say that, pressures are important, but all pressures line up to saturated condensing temperatures, and it's your temperatures that you really want to focus on. So focus on your temperature, and if you're using a a controller that maintains pressure, find your temperature first, find the corresponding pressure to that temperature that you want to maintain, and then set it up for that pressure. So like a P66 will maintain um, based on pressure. There's ICM controllers that do both. They maintain based on coil temperature, and they maintain based on on pressure as well, like a pressure transducer. And then there are standalone VFDs that use a pressure transducer, okay? The signal goes back to the VFD, and then the VFD drives the fan based on what the transducer signal is telling it to do, and it maintains that fan speed. Fan speed doesn't cause these massive fluctuations in pressures because it's trying to maintain one set pressure really. So for instance, I set up two ICM control boards, uh, I think they're ICM333, but it was based on temperature. Now, on the board there's a, a dial, okay, that dial started at 35 degrees and I can't remember it went up to maybe 140, 150, something like that, I can't exactly remember. But these things were going off on low pressure, because the condensing temperature was set for 35 degrees, the fans were going full bore, trying to maintain 35 degree Fahrenheit condensing temperature, that's too low. Of course it's going to go off on low pressure. So what I did was I set it up to about 110-ish. I wanted to see how it would run like this. 110 degrees Fahrenheit coil temp and the fans cycled slowly to maintain that. Now the pressures, temperatures, um, saturation temps did fluctuate a little bit but not much. They stayed within maybe a 10, um, 10 degree plus or minus range. Or, or maybe even tighter than that. And it, it worked really well. So that, that is another option, is you use fan speed, either with a controller um, that does the job for you with a, a, a thermistor or a transducer that's part of that controller, or you can use a standalone VFD that takes info from a separate transducer. That info is relayed to the, the VFD. The VFD decides how fast to run the fan. So that is another way to do it. And there's a, another way besides controlling the condenser fan that's used a lot in refrigeration and it's used also a lot in DX cooling for server rooms, data centers, and whatnot. And I'll tell you about that next. Okay, so there's another way we can combat this, uh, this, this low ambient condition and keeping our head pressure up, our condensing temperature up in the winter. And that's with a couple of mechanical valves. One being an ORI, open rise inlet. That's what ORI stands for. So basically, when the inlet of the valve sees a predetermined pressure or higher, the valve opens up. OK, 
okay, because the inlet is rising. Below that, the valve is closed. And this valve gets mounted at the outlet of the condenser. So basically, when the valve is closed, it allows the condenser pressure to build up. It's allowing the temperature of the condenser to build up. Okay, but so we provide flow to the evaporator, we have to use another valve in conjunction called an ORD. This one is open rise differential. Okay, now what happens with that is because we want to provide flow to the evaporator still. The ORD valve opens up when the ORI valve is closed. It provides flow into the receiver, pressurizes it, provides flow down the liquid line, provides flow and uh, pressurized evap. Because if we just choke off that condenser, don't provide any other flow, then we're going to choke off flow to the evaporator as well. So those two valves get used in conjunction with each other. Now I've seen a valve that is used called an OROA valve. I've seen this a lot in server room applications where that valve is a combination of the two. All right, now what I would urge you to do is go look this up and look up diagrams of this because you're not really going to understand it fully if I'm just kind of explaining it to you because you really do need a mental picture to see how it works. But just know that maintaining head pressure can be done with valving. And it's funny too because I've seen Liebert units, three fan Liebert condensers with this setup. The outdoor fans are running full bore in the wintertime. Head pressure is fine because the valves are doing its job. Then I've seen um, condensing units for walk-in coolers where they still have that same setup, the ORD and ORI in conjunction with each other, but they have one fan that runs all the time and one fan that runs when the head pressure comes up high enough, if need be, that one kicks on. So I've seen it both ways. I've seen condensing units that have fan cycle with the valves, and I've seen um, just straight up condensers that have the valves and the fans run full bore. So I guess it's really dependent on the application and who's designing the equipment, but it's just another way to maintain head pressure. And I have one more that I'm gonna tell you about right now. So the other one, sort of the last one I'm gonna talk about during this podcast is a water reg valve because there are water-cooled condensers out there. Whether it's city water, a lot of places the city water is illegal now. The older units got grandfathered in. If they were still around, then they might still be around. Um, But nowadays, if you put in water-cooled, it's usually run off of some sort of loop right like a like a building water loop like a condenser loop from the cooling tower or something like that there's even uh, one server room in particular i'm thinking of that runs chilled water through their condensers and the chilled water comes in around um, 50 degrees fahrenheit so you have to set those up in order to maintain head pressure as well so basically what happens with a water reg valve is it will have a capillary line that will tie into the high side of the system somewhere. When the high side of the system starts to rise, it will feed more water. When it starts to drop, when the high side of the system starts to drop, it'll feed less water. Okay, because more water through is gonna drop your, your high side pressure, less water through is gonna raise your high side pressure. So that is another way we can maintain head pressure is with a water reg valve because just imagine if you had a water reg valve or you didn't have a water reg valve and it was just piped straight in so what happens a lot of times when when um when when buildings use lake water if they're near a lake 
and they use lake water. A lot of times what happens is in the winter time, the temperature of the water drops a little bit. Okay, and, and I've seen this with my own eyes. The temperature of the water drops a little bit and that causes an issue if it's piped straight in. So you really need that water reg valve there so you can maintain that head pressure. So we've talked about fan cycling, fan speed, valve configuration, and a water reg. Okay, so make sure that also too you have your crankcase heater and wind baffles if you need to use wind baffles because they can be extremely important at maintaining head. So you guys that live in northern climates, you guys will understand where I'm coming from. Guys in the southern climates, if you're listening, you guys don't have to deal with this. You're lucky. <laughs> we do. So that's what this podcast is for. For the guys and the gals and the techs out there that have to deal with this every single winter and maintain these systems. These ways of doing it. I just explained some of them. If you guys come up with any more that I miss, please let me know because I would love to learn or just be be reintroduced to them because I may have forgot them. Anyway, guys, I'm out. Thanks again to the Master Group for sponsoring the podcast. Happy HVACing. Hope you enjoyed the show. Follow HVAC Know It All on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and anywhere else Gary feels like popping up. This has been a Two Smokes and a Coffee production.